0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Hump Day. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by The Mirror's political editor, Pippa Crera, in one of her final outings for us before she goes off and joins those dreadful hippies at The Guardian. Morning, Pippa.
1: Good morning, Susie. Great to be here.
0: (laughs) I hope you've got your tie-dye uniform ready. (laughs) This is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast, you're just going to have to holler at the walls instead so what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on a horrifying investigation by our colleague Nada Farood about British plastic recycling being dumped and burned in Turkey. It's really shocking, especially if you're one of those who makes an effort to separate the right stuff to recycle and otherwise, and it's really worth buying the paper to read that one in full. But because we have Pippa here today, we're going to look at uh, one of the biggest stories of the day, which is pages eight and nine today in the paper in the Tory leadership race which is really the least democratic prime ministerial race since the last two of these that we had not long ago. And Pippa, it seems that from your story today there that the Tory MPs are falling in behind Rishi Sunak, but Tory members want just about anyone except Rishi. So what's going on?
1: So it's early days in the contest, Susie. So all of this, we need to really wait and see. The first vote for Tory MPs to decide their leader is this afternoon. And yesterday they whistled down the field to, I say just eight, but to eight candidates uh, who are standing. But all the polling and all the sort of the mood music at Westminster suggests that Rishi Sunak is ahead amongst Tory MPs currently. Um, Obviously, the field is still pretty wide. There's eight Tories standing for the top job. They'd obviously not just become the Tory leader, they'd take over as Boris Johnson as Prime Minister in September. So it's a pretty broad field. And inevitably, as it goes on, people will get knocked out and their votes will then move to other candidates. But at this stage, Rishi Sunak has got about 40 plus declared supporters from Tory MPs, while the others um, are, are sort of in the low 30s. So he very much looks like the, the establishment candidate to beat. Um, and uh, and then I think we'll, we're expecting a candidate on the right of the party, that's a much tougher fight, a much more bitter fight, uh, to make it through with him to the final round, which quickly say that once MPs whittle it down to two candidates, it then goes to the members, uh, Tory party members, about 200,000 of them across the country. And they have a series of hustings over the summer debates which they the pair of them will go to and then at the very end of the summer all Tories MPs members um will have one member one vote to decide uh who's our next prime minister
0: yeah well one white man over 50 one vote uh, who lives in the south of England to decide who the next prime minister is now take me through one thing Pippa And because I don't understand this quite, uh, and I'm sure some of our viewers don't either. When you say the right candidates or the left or the centrist candidates, when you're looking at the Tories, we all tend to think that they're just right wingers. And we know that some are better or different to others. But who are we talking about as being on the right of the party? Because I can see, you know, Suella Braverman, who is 87 to one at the moment, down the bottom there. Uh, She's on the right. Kemi Badenoch on the far not on the far right of the bottom there, she's on the right of the party. But the rest, who's who's left out of these? Who's right? Who's centrist? What are we actually who's who's Rishi's opponent from the right gonna be? Because I mean Liz yeah. Truss seems to be both, and all things. Yeah. So
1: so it is a bit confusing, and obviously the Conservative Party is on the right of the political spectrum, but within the Conservative Party, there's sort of a, a there's a right and a, I'm not sure I'd quite call it a left, but certainly a centre. Um, so there's the two, there's generally two wings of it. And as you rightly identify, Kemi and Oksuela Braverman um, are very much on, on the right of the party, both in terms of their hardline Brexit stance. They want to rip up the Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, they want to withdraw from the European Convention of Human Rights. Um, and also in terms of their, what I would describe as culture warrior status, you know, they. Bang on about um, things like uh, you know trans rights and, um, and toilets to use use. and a whole load of issues because they think it, it it basically they benefit from having a fight over it. They think with the left, the left being Labour in this in this occasion. So they're very much off the right of the party. Um, it's quite interesting because Rishi Sunak is a sort of self-declared Thatcherite, and yet we're regarding him. As sort of on the centre-stroke left of the Tory Party, but it just I think is a real indication of how the whole party has shifted further rightwards over the over recent years with Brexit absorbing lots of the support that was formerly in UKIP, um, and with the sort of populist approach that Boris Johnson took. So, Bishy Sunak's rivals for or the, the MPs the candidates to occupy occupying the same terrain as him as Tom Tugendhat, who probably is the most the furthest left. Of of the Tories. Um, He he, he voted for Remain. He's socially liberal. He's pretty pragmatic. Um, He's he's regarded as being, um, you know, sort of pretty straight kind of guy. He's a former army officer. Uh, He's actually, I think, viewed as a great hope of the future and has garnered quite a lot of support, but I think is unlikely to beat Sunak to that particular slot in this battle. Um, Nadim Zahawi is trying to, the new chancellor is is sort of flirting with both both wings. And I think probably it won't make it further, um, certainly won't make it to the final two, probably a lot of his support will split between um, between Rishi Sunak and, and the candidate on the right. Um, and then the two sort of, the two, the really interesting part of this fight is the battle that's gonna go on between Liz Truss and Penny Mordaunt. Um, Liz Truss is foreign secretary, Penny Mordaunt, an international trade minister is a much less high profile people don't really know much about her and what she stands for she's kind of untested but she's become a darling of the Tory members in the way that Liz Truss was was this this time a year ago Liz Truss has kind of adopted the support of the of team Boris and Dean Dorries and uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg have sort of like earmarked her as the stop Rishi Sunak candidate they think that he's uh, betrayed Boris Johnson by quitting and and effectively forcing him out of office um, so, the battle will be between Penny Mordant and I think, and Liz Truss for who gets a second slot to take on Rishi Sinak and go to, the, go to Tory members across the country. And that's where it gets really interesting because even though the MPs seem to prefer Rishi Sinak so far, the Tory members are much more likely being to the right of the party again to go for either Liz Truss or Penny Mordant or whoever the candidate is to the right that makes it through on. So, yeah. there's a big disconnect between the party and the membership hmm now, ask us your questions everybody what do you
0: think about who's going to be the next Tory leader who would you prefer um do you think Rishi Sunak or is uh or Tom Tugendhat our raging lefties um do you who would you like to see in the final two for there being a choice between uh we do have conservative voters who watch this show as well so let us know what you think if you, are you a member, do you are you one of those lucky people who actually get a vote in this who would you like to vote for get in the comments and let us know so it looks like as you were saying there Pippa that these two of the women candidates, Liz Truss and Penny Morden, could easily beat Sunak in it if there was a head-to-head battle with a Tory membership. But there are suggestions that what Rishi's team is doing is making sure he doesn't have to face the people that are most likely to beat him. So, in fact, that great political strategist of our times, Nadine Dorries, for it was she, um, says that ex-whip Gavin Williamson, who's helping to run Rishi's campaign, is arranging Wait for everybody, is arranging for Rishi's supporters to lend their vote to a no-hoper like Jeremy Hunt, who's on 80-to-1, so that he gets into the final two and then up against Rishi, Rishi will walk it. Now, Pippa, is that realistic? Are they capable of being that Machiavellian and yet at the same time so completely
1: bleeding obvious? Um, I think if you look at previous races, the answer to that That is a resounding yes this sort of (laughs) game playing switching of votes definitely happens it's always happened and when you see gavin williamson's fingerprints on anything i think you can pretty much guarantee that machiavellian tactics are at play i think in this particular instance we were hearing yesterday from various different sources backing various different campaigns that that jeremy hunt was struggling to get the 20 votes required to get on the ballot in the first place and I was told that Rishi Sinak, by a source that I completely trust that doesn't really have skin in this particular game that Rishi Sinek had or something that Gavin Williamson I don't know whether it was Sinak's permission or not but that Gavin Williamson had offered those votes to the Hunt campaign in order to get him over the line in the first instance. Now I have to say Hunt's campaign denies that vehemently and says that he has a huge amount of support himself and would get over the line but what's going to be interesting to see that when MPs vote this afternoon whether that support for Jeremy Hunt, because you then need to get more than 30 votes to get through to the next next stage, um, whether that vote support for Hunt um, stands up. And of course, this isn't the first time we've heard this. Several months ago, before Boris Johnson was even on his way out, there were suggestions of some sort of stitch up uh, being planned. I think, I think it was reported in the Sunday Mirror, in fact, our Nigel Nelson, between Camp Hunt and Camp Rishi in, in order for a future leadership contest to do exactly what some say is now happening. And what would Jeremy Hunt's payoff be for that? Presumably he'd get a great big fat job in uh, Rishi Sunak's government, whether it be, I mean, the one big job, of course, he's been a health secretary, he's been foreign secretary, which is one of the big jobs, clearly wouldn't get prime minister if Rishi was in number 10. But you can imagine him being quite keen to have a a shot at, uh, at being chancellor of the Exchequer. Um, So you suspect there's some sort of deal afoot there. I don't think, I'm not convinced it's going to work, I have to say. I think that while Rishi Sunak has a huge amount of support, I think managing to stitch up the contest, albeit that the rate of the contest is very crowded, managing to stitch up the contest in quite this way when Hunt doesn't seem to have the momentum and support of his own, I think it's unlikely to result in the sort of the outcome that we're being told by some, by the Dean Dorries, that uh, sort of outcome that they actually are after.
0: Yeah, and sometimes in these things, MPs vote for someone they don't necessarily support, but they think this should be part of the debate. So I remember when, in 2015, the Labour leadership that, a debate that got Corbyn into power, Margaret Beckett supported him for the leadership, not because she actually wanted him to be leader, but because she thought that wing of the party deserves to be heard in the in the debate rather than it be too centrist. And there may be some Tory MPs who are thinking similarly that the right wing of the party needs to have. Seeing if the centrists are, you know, really looking like they've got this, the most of the ground, that the right wing is going to need some support just to bring it through because they want to keep on doing something or other that the the right wing of the party are doing. Who knows? But uh, very interesting if Jeremy Hunt is trying to go to for Chancellor, we all we'll start calling him Chunt instead. <laughs> Which would, um, I'm sure, would relieve him a lot from what he often gets called by broadcasters. Now, um, keep asking your questions, everybody. What do you think is going to happen in the Tory leadership race? Are we going to end up with someone who's continuity Boris, as Liz Truss suggests she is, or are we going to end up with someone completely different? Who knows? Now, Mike says uh, Nadim Zahari said he would offer Boris Johnson a post in his government if elected. Is this likely to help his chances? Pippa, is Boris even going to stay in Parliament? I mean you know you're in parliament surely he wants to get as far away from you as possible
1: (laughs) i think that boris johnson would not feel very comfortable being on the back benches um he of course had that period between when he quit uh when he quits uh government actually erased government and as foreign secretary and launched his own leadership bid a period of a year or so where he looked thoroughly miserable sat on the back benches but then he was plotting for the top job i don't think necessarily he feels that his time in government is, or time leading government is over for good. I think if you think, if you cast your minds to Winston Churchill, of course, as Boris Johnson's great hero, he left parliament and then came back again and did another stint in which he was also prime minister. And you can imagine Boris Johnson thinking, well, you know what, if if I stand down now, I go away for a few years, do the private university circuit and the big bank circuit in the States and across Europe, Asia, make a fortune from speeches and writing books. And then come back, because he's not an old man, he's in his mid-50s, um, then come back in a few years' time and the party will will have decided that actually I was a great thing after all and they'll give me another go. I, can, I think that's much more likely than seeing Boris Johnson sit on the back benches for the next 10 years. Um, and whether he ends up back in government and that's a, whether that's a sort of a, a plus for Nadim Sahawi, I mean, clearly, he's to me, that that is sort of a, a message to members who are much more supportive of Boris Johnson than the MPs were, that, uh, that he could be a continuity Boris candidate. Uh, I I'm not convinced it would go down that well amongst the MPs voting right now. There is a, a rump of Boris Johnson supporters, but it, we're talking dozens now. I mean, he, his support hemorrhaged across the party last week. That, that much was mm-hmm. clear. And I think the people that have supported him still have switched wholesale or almost wholesale to Liz Trust. And Nadim struggled will struggle to pick up any of that support.
0: Yeah, the idea of Boris coming back to government um he's not winston churchill that's the fundamental argument there against what you've just suggested is that winston churchill was winston churchill boris johnson is boris johnson Mm -hmm. Uh, it may not he may think that there's something similar but whether they're going to be able to do the same who who knows especially as he's done so much to damage their chances um i think reality may hit them at some point um so but anyway yesterday uh, we had this situation in Parliament where the Labour Party tried to call a vote of no confidence in the government, um, which you could argue with a caretaker prime minister and, and no clear successor is a pretty reasonable deduction to have arrived at. Um, it would have led to a general election if, if Labour, the government had lost that vote. But Boris Johnson refused to allow any time in Parliament to have that debate and vote, which which killed the move stone dead. So Pippa, is that because he thought he was going to lose the vote? And in any event, how could they possibly, how could the Tories have possibly had a general election if they haven't got a new leader yet? He would just have had to whip everybody to support the government, wouldn't he? And that would have looked stupid.
1: So, this was a bid by Labour, which in my mind was quite a political one. Table a vote of no confidence, not just in the government, which we've had before, but the government and the Prime Minister, and make the Tory MPs decide whether they would walk through the lobbies to support, to prop up that that Prime Minister. Still in office for another two months, despite the fact he's he's apparently resigned, um, and and the contest is, is going on to replace him, or whether they abstained. And for me, I, it was a political maneuver by Labour that designed to be able to put on election certificates, election uh, uh, leaflets, uh, your MP back Boris Johnson stay in office even once his party had got rid of him. It, it was a sort of it was one of these political stunts we see all the time. It probably wouldn't have got that much attention. Until the government decided to block it, now, they claim that because Boris Johnson has resigned, it can no longer is no longer a valid motion to have. Even though the clerks of the House of the Commons signed it off, and of course technically Boris Johnson hasn't yet resigned; he's not gone to the palace and told the Queen that he's off. That wouldn't happen until the beginning of September. So there's been this big debate about you know who's right, who's wrong. It's had lots of attention, and Labour are now using it as a stick to hammer Boris Johnson with, saying and the Tories with saying. You know same old they want to block democracy they want to they're obstructing MPs having having a say and they're keeping him in office and actually it's ended up being quite a successful political attack by Labour when if the government had just ignored it they'd have won the vote anyway and nobody much would have paid any attention. Mm. Wow it all gets curiouser
0: and curiouser, doesn't it? Now, keep asking your questions, everybody. Um, what do you think about the Tory leadership race? What do you think about how Labour's handling it? Do you think there should be a general election now, or do you want one to, to wait for one until there's a new Tory leader? And if so, which Tory leader, prospective Tory leader, do you think Keir Starmer wants to face the most? I think he could probably take any of them, but I'm being optimistic aren't I? Dreadful optimist, that's what everyone says. Uh, but in the meantime, we do have some other stories to discuss. So... Moving on to other stories about Tories being Tories. Uh, Yesterday, the Tory lords voted uh, down a bid to give free school meals to 1.3 million extra children. Now, this was an amendment to the schools bill, uh, which was going to give the right to one meal a day. One, one meal a day for about eight months of the year to every kid whose parents are on universal credit. But it got knocked out of court, Pippa. What what happened? Why did they do this?
1: well this is not the first time that there's been an attempt to extend free school meals to more to all children on universal credit i mean currently the issue is that currently the status is that if you if children in year three and above um the that Households are eligible if they're on un- income related uh, benefits, like you see, if their annual household income doesn't exceed £7,400 after tax. Now, there are plenty of people who earn marginally more than that who are still struggling, still on the bread line, and you know, finding it really difficult to give their children, um, you know, even one hot meal a day, and who, absolutely, in my mind, would be you know, rightful recipients of this sort of support. The government has resisted it, despite the fact that similar moves have been done across other parts of the UK, resisted it for England. And it's not the first time. You'll remember, I'm sure, that the former Children's Commissioner, Anne Longfield, called for this. And then more recently, we had Henry Dimbleby, the government's food czar, when he reported back on on the government's food strategy, he also recommended... Uh, that this move should be made to to take in more children to um, for free school meals, and the government rejected it. And they, they what they said at the time, um, they didn't outright rule it out on cost grounds. What they said at the time is that they would um, be using other measures to support families, and they sort of cited their cost of living, energy payments, and things like that. But you know, as we all know, if you are struggling to pay your bills and you get a you get some money off your, you know, they get a rebate on your council tax or you get um, some energy support from the government this October. That money will go on paying your bills. It won't necessarily um, go, go directly to food. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that people will still, you know, won't still be struggling. So I think this, I think this will continue. This sort of um, it's continued to be a big issue. Um, we haven't yet seen Marcus Rashford row in. Obviously, he has previously when it comes to free school meals, and the government has ut- had to ut- turn because public support is so clearly. On the side of extending it to mm. to needy children so you know i think they just end up looking cruel frankly if they resist it and you know they'll reach a point where either they'll have to uh you know recognize that if we as a wealthy country despite the general more general economic woes we are a wealthy country and if we can't prioritising prioritize feeding our children then what sort of country are we
0: yeah it is only one meal a day for some of the year it's not constantly feeding all children permanently it's a bit of the time maybe marcus is waiting to find out who the new prime minister is yeah. and then he'll be on the phone let's hope so and anyway that bill does come back to the commons doesn't it for another reading and there's another more arguing about it which is going to be happening so right thank you for taking us through all that pippa um but there is some good news in the world despite all this right and it's got nothing to do with the conservative party or who's running the country or not running the country um, and we've managed to find it for you and here it is Now, anybody with any sense knows that the local pub is basically a castle and the landlord is king of all he surveys. But now there's an electrician called Aaron Sanders. There he is with his dogs. Uh, he was beaten 200 applicants to become landlord of the ship inn on the 26 acre peel island off cumbria which comes with the title of king of peel island bless him now pippa he's going to be crowned with a pint of beer poured over his head uh, and he's going to have the power to bestow knighthoods now is this do we think i looked at this and the first thing i thought was this was a perfect retirement job for let's say prime ministers <laughs> being like world king and dishing out honours to their mates. Do we think we could see Boris there in the
1: future? I thought exactly the same thing when I saw this, <laughs> particularly the bit about being able to knight people. Because we've been having, we've been trying to get to the bottom of what the prime minister's resignation honours might involve. And there's been suggestions that civil servants asked whether, for example, his father Stanley could be knighted. Um, And uh, rumours that people like Nadine Doris might end up in the House of Lords. So, you know, that's going to be a big story in a couple of months time. Maybe the safer option would be for this nice chap who's just just been given his his kingdom of Peel Island to move aside for the sake of the country and uh, to abdicate and uh, (laughs) offer the role to one to one Mr. B. Johnson, who could um, who could then, you know, bestow any honours he wanted to anyone.
0: Yeah, exactly. But he would have to live in an island off Cumbria in the Irish
1: Sea, which okay. is surrounded by radioactive waste on all sides. I think he'd like a castle. I mean, he seems to like checkers and spending his time there, so maybe he's spending quite living in a know castle. So, this
0: one doesn't have a roof.
1: Ah, right, probably so. many staff, um, <laughs> and I don't know whether you'd really ever get the
0: wallpaper to hang on those walls. <laughs> it's going to come off, isn't it? We'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm very hopeful that the resignation honours will um, will contain something for you, Pippa, because you've done. I've <laughs> been more for Boris Johnson's reputation than anybody else in the past couple of years. Uh, who's, who knows? Lady Pippa. That would be fantastic. I wonder at the Guardian might not want to employ you after that if you were in open. Um, right. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you everyone for taking part. We'll be back again next Monday uh, for another edition of the News Agenda. If you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review. It helps other people find us. Bye bye. See you next time.